RVN. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield, and thank you first a shout out to both Chad and to Clay who filled in for me while I have been recuperating and still do so from knee surgery, but appreciate both gentlemen uh, for filling in this last week and a half. Markets today, kind of an interesting, uh, the front half are going to kind of be a little bit all across the board looking at things, uh, looking at what's going on with the soybeans, the highest level since September. We'll talk about some weakness in the corn. Uh, the Fed chair, uh, latest speech came out today. How did that affect the markets? The second half, we kind of want to focus on what's been going on in China and how that's going to have some effects on our trade today. Joining us, Arlen Suderman. Arlen is with Stonex. So start out, when you and I were talking before this started, I'd read earlier today about beans, the highest level since September. So kind of nice to see for this bean market. Yeah, it really is. And we're getting some late, I say late season, late year demand coming in here. Um, some, but a lot of it's related to China. I think um, certainly uh, China needs to buy some more U.S. soybeans. We estimate that at the beginning of the week that they probably needed to buy about four million metric tons of soybeans between now and when Brazilian new crop supplies will be available, and uh, so. That would be about 150 million bushels. Now, Argentina just started its uh, what I call pesos for for dollars or pesos for soybeans program. And that's when Argentine farmers sell their soybeans, which are priced in dollars, convert that to pesos. The, The official exchange rate, the conversion rate, is 166 pesos to the dollar. But during this month of December, it actually started on Monday, so the last few days of November through the month of December, they're bringing back a program they did back in September, and they're going to pay 230 pesos per dollar. And it's a way that uh, um, Argentine government can encourage those farmers to let go of the soybeans and to move them through because they, they're heavily dependent on the export tax on soybeans, soy meal, and soy oil. But they couldn't do that. They couldn't export because farmers were hanging on to the beans. Well, this encourages that, and it's really worked well for them, and and it worked well for China. Back in September, China swooped in and picked up about 3 million metric tons of those cheaper soybeans that had been dumped on the market, and they anticipate that they'll get about a million to a million, half a million metric tons this time around. So that would leave a uh, – they'll get a few cargoes from Brazil yet of old crop, but that'll leave about 2 million plus metric tons that they'll need to be picking up from the U.S. market. And that's providing some support in here for this market as we head into the month of December. You know, midday uh, stock markets were kind of having that mixed feel. And as soon as the Fed chair spoke, um, we definitely saw some reactions to what he was talking about. We really did, and uh, Fed Chair Jerome Powell uh, giving a speech at the Brookings Institute, I believe it was, which is a think tank on the East Coast, uh, and, and what Wall Street was watching for is any signs of maybe pivoting uh, from a hawkish view to a more dovish view, and I, I guess Wall Street liked what it heard, and basically what uh, Fed Chair Jerome Powell said is um, a couple of things, but I think the market's only heard one thing. Uh, what they heard was it's probably time to start thinking about slowing the rate that we raise interest rates and maybe as early as next month. In other words, two weeks from today when they release their next statement, 
um, very well could see a slower rate of interest rate hikes, probably 50 basis points. He didn't say that, but that's kind of what the market is thinking. It's been going up at 75 basis points they hit. The other thing that they kind of didn't hear that he said is what really matters is not the pace that we go up, but how high we have to go up and how long we have to leave it there to get control over inflation. And he said clearly that we've seen very little impact on inflation to this point. And so there's a lot of work yet to do. And um, that when we look at wage inflation, for example, it's still three, basically three times uh, what our 2% uh, uh, inflation mandate is. So there's a lot of work to be done and very little efforts being shown yet. He's just saying, Maybe we need to slow the pace at which we go, but we're still needing to get there. We got a lot of work to go, uh, but the markets reacted very positively. They created a little bit more of a risk-on environment in the markets. Um, so as you said, we saw stocks move higher. The grain and oil seeds really didn't, although I know since soybeans, they had been working away lower and it kind of stabilized prices um, for that market. And uh kind of added to some of the gains perhaps that we saw in the wheat market but overall does create a, a more favorable environment that maybe the economy will be able to slip through this without seeing too significant a damage to it i think that's a little optimistic that's kind of the tone of the market after jerome powell spoke Arlen, I'm glad you brought up uh, wheat because your midday uh, newsletter that went out to subscribers talk about why we're, the market just really seems to be ignoring what's going on with winter wheat conditions at this point. Yeah, as we look at the winter wheat conditions, um, and we got the last ratings of the of the calendar year yesterday. Well, we may get another monthly rating from some states, but as far as from USDA came out, and it, the condition index score. Uh, works out to uh, 304. Now, what does that mean? A 500 would be a perfect crop. Uh, 304 is up 15 points on the week. Uh, When we first started out a month ago, I believe the index was 23 points lower. So at about 289, uh, what would that be? Uh, So right around in that uh, 281 level, I think, is where we were at at that point or so. Uh, So we've come up 23 points. And if you look at that, you think, well, that's quite an improvement in winter wheat condition. That shows what November rains will do to help the crop kind of emerge, come out of the ground, and look better. Uh, Stick around, folks. We do have a lot more coming up. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Let's get another Fontenelle feature. I'm Joe Gangwish with Fontenelle Hybrids. We're going to visit with Eric Wasinius, part of a three-man crew for Peterson Livestock based in Oxford, Nebraska. So, Eric, you used to be a district man for Fontenelle Hybrids. Now, as a dealer, tell us what makes Fontenelle stand out above other local seed brands. I think a lot of it, as far as what really makes Fontenelle stand out, is our product lineup. Dealing with bear and what we get from a genetic lineup. In my area, it's a lot with soybean specifically we've got a big issue with iron deficiency chlorosis um, and we've got several different beans different maturities that work extremely well going up and down the hills um, we run into in furnace arlen county and so it's it's really nice to have the depth of product selection that we have 
For more on product selection, you can contact Eric Wasenius of Peterson Livestock based out of Oxford, Nebraska, or contact your local Fontenelle dealer or go to Fontenelle RVN. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield, continuing our conversation this afternoon with Arlen Suderman. Arlen is with Stonex, and right now, Arlen, I don't think any social media aspect uh, that folks are jumping on. There's a lot of comments about what's going on with China and the unrest that's there. And from an agricultural perspective, it can have some big implications. It really does. And I think there's a lot of things worth note taking note of in going on in China right now. Uh, social unrest is a very rare thing in China because China can identify anybody they want anywhere in the country within 10 minutes. That is something they specifically have proven that they can do. So that's one way that they suppress social unrest. But yet the aggravation level with its dynamic zero COVID policy has gotten to that point where social unrest has started to break out in several cities across China. Now, that has resulted in some change in policy, but it's been very mixed. So it's nothing central coming from the federal government. Uh, what the government is saying is we don't want anything that's overly restrictive because they're very concerned about how their dynamic zero COVID policy is slowing down the economy. But at the same time, the numbers keep going up for COVID because these newer variants are getting more and more difficult for them to control, even with their dynamic zero policy. Um, that they have to keep restricting and, and uh, locking places down. So it's really coming to an head here, and the markets are interpreting that what's happening with the economy with, and with social unrest is frankly going to force the government into opening up their economy as we get into early next year. The, the question is when. I think there's a sense of it ultimately has to happen. Is it going to be early next year? Is it going to be after their policy decision-making uh, group meets and in, in, I think, late February, so it could be a March decision or something like that, but there's a growing sense that it is going to open up. That would be good for demand for commodities. Part of the, the question that's unanswered still is if COVID is unleashed on a country that has a very high demographics of older people uh, with a poor health care system, what will be the effect? They've been able to really limit deaths to this point, but will that be continue to be true with these newer variants or will they still have deaths that will ultimately affect demand? But I think what the markets are most concerned about is getting the economy opened up again uh, so that consumers are out and about and shopping and consuming and spending money versus staying home afraid of being notified they have to report to a quarantine facility somewhere. Um, but these are truly unusual times in China. And that's going to take a toll not only on um, the, the protein imports that are coming in, but the grains as well. Yeah, absolutely. Now, unfortunately, tensions with China have risen to uh, the highest level in decades of late. And so China, if we find China trying to avoid buying from the United States except for what it has to. Uh, over the past few months, we've seen it sign a phytosanitary agreement to be able to buy corn from Brazil. And it's now started the first few shipments of corn have left from Brazil heading to China. It also has an agreement to be able to buy soy meal 
if it needs to avoid buying soybeans from us. Uh, it's been drawing down its reserve supplies of soybeans to avoid buying any more soybeans than it has to from us to get to the Brazil new crop harvest. So it can't shut us totally off, but it's trying to move in that direction. And uh, because the relationship with the United States is, is very very tense right now. Now, President Xi Jinping has reached out to President Biden as well as other Western leaders recently at the G20 meetings, trying to diplomatically cool those tensions a little bit. Um, does that mean that they have no interest in taking Taiwan? Absolutely not. They're going in the opposite direction there. That day is coming when they will make a move on Taiwan. But I think with all of its domestic problems, Xi Jinping didn't want to get pushed into making the Taiwan decision sooner than what he was ready, and he didn't want the West preparing Taiwan for such a conflict either. And so I think the, those risks for now have backed off, but they are still coming. You talked a little bit about Brazil, South America crop. How are things looking at this point? Argentina's just I'm- plain dry. They're- their corn and soybean crops are getting planted late. Now, the first third of the crops still aren't in the ground yet. They have a very long growing season, but the condition of those crops aren't good. Their wheat crop looks like it's going to be half a crop this year. Um, now, the, if we see La Nina start to uh, change at the atmospheric levels as we get into mid-late December, then we can maybe see that weather pattern start to change in January, which might be in time for the late planted crops. Some, people, some forecasters think it'll be later in February before that change comes. And if that's the case, Argentina is probably going to have a problem. Brazil has some dry areas in the southwestern third, but still overall good-looking crops. All right. Lots of great things today, Arlen. Best way for folks to get a hold of you. Stonex.com over on Twitter, ArlenFF101. All right, that is today's Fontenelle Final Bell. As we always remind you, commodity futures and options involve a substantial risk of loss, not suitable to all investors. The Fontenelle Final Bell brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.